All right, our chapter for today is Hebrews chapter 7. In this chapter, and if you've already read it, you know it's a, it's a tedious one. you got to think a little bit to get your way through. Um, the author continues a discussion that began at the end of chapter 4 and to the early part of chapter 5. And uh, again, one of the broad and general themes of the letter uh, as a whole is that Jesus is better. He's better than Moses. He's better than the Old Covenant, which brings about a better salvation. He's better in every way, which is why he's arguing it would be foolish for those readers who were tempted to leave Christ and go back to Judaism. That would be foolish. Judaism's always been pointing forward to and was always waiting on its fulfillment in Christ. Here in chapter 7, the author is taking one piece of that overall argument to show how Jesus is a greater high priest between us and God the Father greater than any uh, of the Levitical priests could ever be who came before him. To make that point, though, the author of Hebrews makes use of quite an obscure character from the Old Testament. His name is Melchizedek. And uh, I feel like a lot of people who may feel like they have a general knowledge of the Bible still aren't terribly familiar with Melchizedek. So today I just want to explore a basic point the author is trying to make. Um, so just who is Melchizedek and why are we talking about him? Well, he he introduced the character of Melchizedek actually back in chapter 6 when he said that Jesus has now, he said it in uh, verse 20 of Hebrews 6, that Jesus has now become, quote, a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, even the original first century readers of this letter must have read that and said, what? <laughs> the order of Melchizedek, they had grown up in Judaism and they knew uh, that their priests under the law of Moses were Levitical priests, um, you know, meaning from the tribe of Levi, so therefore of the order of Levi, if you wanted to phrase it that way. There was under the law of Moses, there wasn't an order of Melchizedek. Uh, and on top of that, Melchizedek only appears one time uh in an obscure scene during the life and travels of Abraham. I mean, he's got to be mentioned again in the Psalms, but, uh, you know, in, in the narratives, he only appears one time in a, in a short scene with Abraham. And they must have wondered what in the world Melchizedek had to do with anything in this discussion. So we should wonder the same thing and consider what the author of Hebrews is trying to prove here. So who was Melchizedek? To read the original account, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn. Turn to Genesis 14. In the first two-thirds of the chapter, we read how Abraham's nephew Lot was taken captive in a battle, and Abraham had to use his own forces to rescue Lot from his uh, captors. And that brings us to verses 17 through 24 of Genesis 14, which relate to us the episode when Abraham met Melchizedek. Genesis 14, 18 informs us that Melchizedek was king of Salem, later Jerusalem, um, as well as priest of God Most High. So, in Salem, later Jerusalem, where the temple and manifest presence of God was located, Melchizedek is there, and he is both a king and a priest. That's noteworthy. Furthermore, the passage tells us that Melchizedek, he tells us in verses 19 and 20, that Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and afterwards Abraham paid tithes, gave an offering to Melchizedek. 
So the author of Hebrews will draw on this account and relate it to Christ, relying on both what we are told about Melchizedek in Genesis 14 as well as what we are not told about him. So first of all, the author of Hebrews points out the obvious that Abraham paid tithes, he gave an offering uh, to Melchizedek, which confirms the legitimacy of Melchizedek's priesthood, right? If he's, a, if he's not a legitimate priest, what is Abraham doing paying tithes, <laughs> giving an offering to him? Uh, so he's a legitimate priest. Second, the author of Hebrews reminds us that Melchizedek was not only a priest, but also a king, and not only a king, but a righteous king, based on the meaning of his name, Melchizedek, uh, that the literally translated means king of righteousness, and, and he's also, in a sense, king of peace, because he's king of Salem, but Salem from Shalom, meaning peace. The third significant detail that the author of Hebrews sees in the Melchizedek episode is not what we are told, which we've just mentioned, but what we're not told about him. He points out in verse 3 that, you know, you read those accounts in Genesis and almost everybody has a genealogy. <laughs> almost The genealogy of almost everybody is found. Where they fall, who their father was, their grandfather, etc., etc., who their children were. Well, you come to Melchizedek and there's no genealogy for him anywhere in the Old Testament. And that's why the, the, uh, the author of Hebrews sees that in a figurative way and says, it's in a very real sense, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. He's not literally saying that Melchizedek was eternal and without beginning or end, but rather that it was as if he was, because there is no genealogy given to confirm the beginning and end of his life. Why does the author of Hebrews belabor all these points? He's showing two main things. One, Melchizedek was a foreshadow of Christ who was to come. And two, the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek is greater than the Levitical priests under the law of Moses. Let's take them one by one. First, Melchizedek foreshadowed and typified Christ by being both priest and king, just as Christ is as well as foreshadowing the eternal nature of Jesus and his service as a priest who brings us to God. And secondly, the author of Hebrews uh, says all these things to show that the order of Melchizedek is superior to the Levitical order. In thinking again about the fact that Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek and also about the fact that Levi was a descendant of Abraham yet to be born, from whom the Levitical priest would come, he argues from this, that Melchizedek was superior. He says in verses 9 and 10, one might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, all of this may sound to us like a really tedious argument, but it is a significant biblical case for showing the superiority of the kingly priesthood of Jesus over the priest's under the law of Moses. He will show in later chapters how Jesus, how what Jesus did is better than what the Levite priests do uh, because he, he is better and greater in his person. Here, however, his goal was to show that how who Jesus is in his priestly office the, after the order of Melchizedek was superior also and better than the Levite priests and their office as mediators between God and men. 
If you need to listen to this over again a second time through, I don't blame you. <laughs> but these are just a few thoughts from Hebrews chapter 7.